Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Greg White here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing very, very well, Scott. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. A great weekend, lots of rain, much needed rain here in the metro Atlanta area. Uh, how was your, how's your weather this morning? Uh, it's it's a little cold and uh, cloudy, but it's still the beach, so it's great. <laughs> happy well, Buzz Day to everyone! Happy Buzz Day to everybody. That's what hey, that's what we're here all here and gathered together, breaking bread, talking supply chain here on the Supply Chain Buzz, where we share some of the leading stories across global business. Now we've got a couple of uh, changes uh, on the on one hand. Sophia Rivas Herrera is not with us here today. Uh, we send her lots of good vibes. She's feeling a little bit under the weather, and yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to uh, dive into supply chain if you're not feeling 100, percent isn't it, Greg? Yeah, punky or uh, what are some of the other terms that people say? Puny, <laughs> right? I've heard people say feeling puny, feeling punky. It's tough. It's it's you know it's tough for a lot of people to get into supply chain even when they're healthy. That is right. But hey. Uh, uh, Big positive vibes to Sophia, wherever she is. And, of course, we've got some big things in store for Supply Chain now in Espanol. And she'll be back with us really soon, unpack that here with you. But on the on the other hand, we've got a wonderful guest here today, Greg. Yeah. Abhishek Gupta with UPS Global Freight Forwarding. And uh, he's he's uh, he's bringing, he's uh, really bringing it here in about 20 minutes, isn't he, Greg? Yeah. I just love saying his name, Abhishek. <laughs> well... But yeah, of course. I mean, you know, uh, a lot changing. Golly, it seems like it was not that long ago that we were um, saying we're not in a freight recession, but one might be coming. I think it could be argued that instead we've sort of reverted to the mean. I was thinking about that this morning. Um, and we were in a bubble over the last 18, 24 months, right? Right. Um, so we're much closer to normal. Maybe not even a new normal, but an old normal. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was trying to avoid saying that, but uh, but yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting environment, isn't it? Because there are still lots and lots of disruptions, but at least one of them isn't that you could go bankrupt buying a container. So That's let's right. all our lucky stars for that. Uh, well, you know, beyond all of that, uh, Abshek's going to let us know some of the uh, global trade issues and developments you've got to have on your radar. And lots of analysis and observations around all, as, as Greg's alluding to, all the changes in across freight world, uh, which right. we'll uh, coin a new new word here. But stay tuned. He's going to join us about 12, 20-ish or so uh, p.m. Eastern time here today. Okay. We're going to say hello to a few folks here in just a minute. Um, but, Greg, I want to uh, open up today's uh, conversation by talking about an initiative that's really important. Yeah. Near and dear to our hearts here at Supply Chain Now, and that is... The Leveraging Logistics for Ukraine initiative that uh, really Vector Global Logistics is leading. Uh, but we've got a whole, you know, folks around the world have, have joined in the effort. We've sent over 500,000 pounds of humanitarian aid to folks in Ukraine, Poland, and elsewhere. And, Greg, this is what, um, you know, this is a, the calling for supply chain professionals to get in there and do good, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, this thing's far from over, right? And it while it, it has sort of fallen out of the news cycle, it's still going on and people are still suffering and uh, this is a great cause and it's just the energy you see from sitting in on these calls is really powerful and um you know we've sent over 500,000 tons right pounds yeah. tons? pounds 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 yeah so working on that bigger figure though working hard yeah. and fast and furious on that bigger figure yeah so um we're doing good we're all doing good, all of you who have participated in any way, even if just listening and, and sharing the initiative. That's right. So uh, in the next, so we have a monthly planning session that really drives that. Our team has dropped a link in the chat. Y'all check that out. You don't have to contribute 
or you know, sign up or volunteer for anything to be part of that meeting. If you want to come, just listen in to um, market intel and all the, the planning that's going on. That's perfectly fine. And if yeah. you're, you're in position to donate something, that'd be great too. Um, okay, so we're going to tackle a few on the front end here of the supply chain buzz. We've got a a bit of a, it's a little Baskin Robbins today. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Fifty two different, fifty two flavors, right? Great, fifty two flavors. Baskin Robbins thirty three. <laughs> oh, I'm giving them way too much credit. Thirty three flavors. Uh, yeah. is what we're going to tackle on the front end. So, <laughs> Craig makes a, a few adjustments. Hey, right? Yeah, it's Monday morning. Still getting uh, settled in here, you know. I just... <laughs> so, Jonathan, good morning to you. Uh, Jonathan says we're in full force fulfilling orders for Christmas. Uh, Jonathan, yeah. who hails uh, from Louisiana, uh, supply chain practitioner. Greg, it's a busy time for a lot of folks in that regard, right? Uh, I'm trying to make it as busy as I possibly can. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, we're going to talk about some people who could be busier and some people who are as busy as they can handle. That's right. right. Yeah, it is, of course, this time of year. It's big time. Big time. T squared who holds down the fort for us uh, over at YouTube says it's soul to soul back to life. Back to reality Monday. <laughs> Miss the oncoming uh, snow and bring on the supply chain management nourishment. Hey, we got it uh, by the truckload here today, T-Squared, and great to have you here. Literally 44,000 <laughs> pounds. We've maxed it out. We are shipping no air. Man. <laughs> and Leah Luton from Aiken, South Carolina, is with us here today. So, uh, Hi, Mom. Hello, Mom. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Greg, uh, I'm gonna do a couple things before we get into uh, um, uh, news of the day. First off, I want to share. Uh, hopefully, folks, and we were, we were talking in the pre-show about some of our favorite holiday movies, and of course, Christmas Vacation is is probably atop our list here in the Luton household. So, Greg, we use that kind of as a vehicle for our weekly LinkedIn newsletter, and I love the title. You serious, Clark? Of course. We're we're talking about with that said, which is our LinkedIn newsletter with uh, right. uh, about eighteen thousand subscribers. We appreciate all y'all, all of y'all. If you haven't subscribed, it's easy to do. Go find us on supply uh, uh, on LinkedIn, and you can sign up for this weekly newsletter. But uh, Greg, so we were using this as a means of kind of pulsing the team here behind the scenes their favorite holiday movies. So Christmas Vacation had a lot of votes, but what is one of your favorite holiday movies, Greg? I'm going to let people guess by giving them a line okay. from my favorite holiday movie. Okay. Now I have a machine gun. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're hey, <laughs> we're going to up the ante a bit. We're going to up the ante. So whoever gets that right, that quote right, drop it in the chat. Oh, uh, T-squared is not home alone. But drop it in the chat, and we're going to send you all. Oh, like, I'm sure he's not guessing. That's probably his favorite. Maybe, maybe so. T squared. He's a Gen Xer, so he, he'll also know the title of that movie. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it as well. Um, okay. Oh, oh my! Your mom. <laughs> bring it. What? Bring it. Yes. Yes, that is the from greatest Di- holiday movie of the '80s. Love that. Um, speaking of holidays, Greg. I'm using this as a nice little segue uh, to our first news story here today. Inventory, inventory, inventory. In particular, at one of my long time, especially as a kid, I love shopping at at Gap. Right, love shopping at Gap as a kid. Remember those those khaki commercials, dancing kind of in old school fashion. I and mean, that was a big part of my 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 childhood. But talk to us, Greg. You did a supply chain commentary on what's going on at the Gap last week. Very well received. Lots of comments and views. Tell us. What um what's going on? Well, um, not unlike a lot of other retailers, by the way, I don't know if you heard the news about uh, a couple of things. Uh, one, Lululemon hit hit their revenue targets and their stock got crushed, and Costco missed their revenue targets and almost nothing happened to their stock. So, very interesting times we're having right now, but. Lululemon's situation very much like the Gap. They are incredibly over inventory. Lululemon up 85% inventory, up 85% over last year, and they're trying to sell it to the market as if that was planned. Good luck with that. Um, 
and obviously the market's not selling for it, but similar problem at the gap. And we talked mm. about that. Um, they held inventory over from last year. Pack and hold is a euphemistic way of saying mothballing inventory, meaning all the stuff you overbought for last year, you're storing and hoping that somebody will buy that old used stuff or old uh, last year's stuff <laughs> for next year. Uh, and that's exactly what they're doing. And um, it's been a struggle for them. And it, it's really, really interesting in these times as both the economy tails um, and that and they missed its missed the uplift in the economy, the very brief uplift in the economy last year by such a wide margin. Um, it's really interesting to watch companies try to uh, manifest, uh, you know, everybody is manifesting these days, right? To manifest a, a good story out of that. And there just really isn't one. Um, you know, they missed it. There's a lot of reasons for missing it, especially in the fashion industry like Lululemon or Gap. They don't have a lot of really good technology. It's usually kind of seat of the pants. Apologies to anyone who feels it's anything different, but I've been there and done it and seen companies do it for decades. And it is very much seat of the pants compared to a lot of replenishable or what are called basics in a lot of fashion stores. Yep. Um, so it's, there's a lot of room for error because it's basically my guess. I feel like I know my customers better than any system could. And this is what my customers want. Um, and that has really put a lot of companies in a, you know, in a tough position because whoever knew their customers better was wrong. That's right. So, uh, it's been a really, you know, it's a really complex struggle. A lot of companies have attempted to put more technology into place. We uh, did a commentary on Macy's a few weeks back, and believe it or not, they are actually entering the 21st century with their technology and and sort of uh, leapfrogging the rest of the industry and applying more science and technology even to their soft goods, their fashion goods and fashion basics. So there's a lot to learn there. Um, there's, you know, a lot of, lot of uh, companies that are going to struggle with the same thing, no matter what portion of the industry they're in. Of course, Costco is in hard goods, largely right. food and hard goods. So um, there's a, a lot of challenges out there and it's just really hard to do it. And that's the point of the article uh, or the commentary on the article about the gap is it's really hard to do it, but it's time to start applying technology to even fashion goods. Yeah. So true. Uh, love the commentary. And by the way, folks, uh, Greg kind of chatted a lot of things there, including the gap, but you can find Greg's commentary on the gap in particular at the link that our team just dropped in there. And you know what we love as much as I love Greg's uh, uh, initial commentary on each topic, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I love the conversations that take place in the comments. So, folks, we want to hear from you. Y'all venture over uh, to uh, the link there and let us know what what your take is here. And, of course, all of this is driven by a great supply chain dive read on, uh, on what, what's going on at Gap. Yeah, that, um, that was, the commentary on this was particularly interesting. And then right towards the very end, some guy, which happens from time to time, pitched his technology as if it was really advanced <laughs> um, with a 90% forecast accuracy, which is abysmal, by the way, <laughs> in terms of forecast accuracy. So oh, man. That was cute. Uh, don't fake the funk on that nasty yeah, dunk right. with Greg yeah, and technology. If you your product, make sure it's superior. That's right. Um, I'll share a couple of comments here. Uh, let's see here. So Catherine, speaking of Macy's, says she's hearing lots of Macy's ads on some of the podcasts she's listened, she listens to, and she listens to a ton of them. Uh, and she was surprised to see that they're making a comeback, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, I was surprised also, Catherine. I mean, they have been one of the worst performing retailers for decades and decades and decades since probably most of us were not yet born. Um, right. But they finally stepped out of the 1880s when they were founded or whenever it was. And, and, and have really stepped it up. This new chief supply chain officer, first of all, they have a chief supply chain officer, which is huge for a fashion retailer. Two, that's, that supply chain, chief supply chain officer has a seat at the table and is at least actively supporting, if not even controlling, a lot of their, uh, their strategies and execution around their supply chain, which is huge. 
That is a huge leap for a company like Macy's, and it's and it's even bigger leap for Macy's in particular. I'm glad to see them um, doing the right thing. Love that. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. Hey, if you're getting high praise from Greg, you've done something well. As Jonathan says, if you're Macy. <laughs> there's something to say for digitalization and automation. Completely agree, Greg. Thank you for that, Jonathan. Now, I want to switch up here because, as we mentioned, Leah Luton said die hard. Back, uh, back to Greg's quote. Now, Scott says it's not a Christmas movie. So, Scott, we're going to have to get Scott and Greg talking about <laughs> give their take on whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. So, Greg? <laughs> is that the same guy with the – no. Oh, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Greg says 100%. Let's just summarize. Greg yeah, says 100%, 100% Christmas movie. 100%. Um, okay. Speaking of having a little fun. Uh, so we've got uh, Abhishek Gupta with UPS Global Freight Forwarding joining us here in about five or six minutes here. So stay tuned for that. But uh, last Friday, Greg, we did a little yeah. what we call a pop-up live stream giveaway. And it was a, it was a short little 20-minute or so, very impromptu conversation, really trying to uh, give some thanks to our listeners and, and folks out there across the global supply chain now uh, fam. And we, and we gave away some of our favorite reads this year. So, Greg, with that said, no pun intended there, I feel like I'm always promoting our LinkedIn newsletter. I'm not. It's just it's, – You just say that all the time. That's why it. we made it the title of it. That's right. But right here on, the, on today's special buzz uh, as we enter the holiday season, we're going to continue giveaways. So this is one of my favorite reads this this uh, this year. Beyond Good. This is by our friends Theo Lau and Bradley um, uh, Limer, and which we've interviewed them a couple of times. I'll be, be reconnecting with uh, Theo soon. Um, folks, if you want this a copy of this book, we encourage you. You got to enter the drawing. So Amanda, if you would drop your email in the chat, you got to send a note to Amanda, and that's Amanda at supplychainnow.com. And and Greg, there's two pieces of feedback we're asking, which. If you send a blank email, you'll be entered in the drawing. But if you put some feedback in there, uh, it'll enhance your chances of winning. And there's two things. We're looking for your favorite show from this past year and why. Or we'd love to know what topics you would like us to cover more in 2023. So, Greg, I think I think that's a fair ask. You give away a, a few free books, getting some market intel from our, our global fam. What do you think? It's a free book. Do something for it, right? <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. is right. I think any ask it. Well, not any ask, but any ask that simple. Yes, is definitely fair. So, uh, folks, it's simple. Shoot us an email, Amanda at supplychainnow.com. I think we gave away um, from Friday's session. I want to say we, we shot out ten books already. And Greg, we're talking wow. about like heavy, heavy hitting books. Like, how many do we have? Are we over inventoried, Scott? Is that what? <laughs> Man, you caught you busted me. This is my inventory <laughs> management strategy. You busted me. Uh, no, it, it it's really you know we we uh, are so grateful for all the folks that plug in with us all year long. You know, dropping the comments or or get, giving us fee, uh, uh, feedback on social or you know via podcast or whatever. Yeah. And we are certainly. Um, uh, Filled to the brim with holiday spirit and want to find little ways to give them back. So important, right, Greg? Agreed. hundred percent. All right. So um, we've got the address out there, Amanda at supplychainnow.com. Let us know those two things, favorite show or topics you want to hear more about in 2023, and you'll be entered into the drawing. Okay. We're going to get some bonus time here today, Greg, with our guest. I'm really uh, excited! I've really enjoyed the pre-show conversations with our guests. Are you re- you buckled up and uh, buckled buckled up and locked in for this conversation with Abhishek? Hold on. Yes. <laughs> okay. I always got to double checks. We're, we're about to move to ludicrous speed. A little reference. Your hands and arms inside the vehicle. <laughs> All right. So, with that said, and with no further ado, I want to welcome in our great guest here today, Abhishek Gupta, Director of Marketing for International Air Freight with UPS Global Freight Forwarding. Hey, Abhishek, how you doing? I'm doing great. Having fun with you guys so far. Yeah, it's fantastic. Day. I have a question for you, Abhishek. Sure. Is Die Hard a holiday movie or not? <laughs> 
Yeah, it is a holiday movie, just because you say so. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Even, even if it's not, it's fun to say that. We're all about the fun here. Yep. Well, so Abhishek, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going down the fun tracks. We, we're going to be picking your brain on, on what's going on in global trade and right. as well as what's going on with, with a lot of freight rate changes. So yeah. uh, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But we've got a few bonus minutes with you here today. So Abhishek, I've gathered that you're a big music fan. Mm-hmm. And so you fit right in. You're part of the fam. Me and Greg, both big, big music fans. Yeah. So here's a little fun warm-up question. So today is the birthday of one Sheila Cecilia Escovedo. She is better known as Sheila E. That's right. So the legendary percussionist and singer that was discovered by Prince uh, was born December 12th, 1957 in Oakland, California. 1957? Yeah, that's right. How about that? Yeah, wow. She's still got the beat and brings it it like like few others. So Abhishek... um, Tell us, using that as a, as a springboard, what's one of your favorite musical acts of all time? Oh, okay. <clears throat> I think um, memorable ones is one time around I was, I think Fleetwood Mac gave a concert in, I was in Ohio at that point in time. So, right, uh, Buckeye. Um, so, in there, <laughs> by that, uh, there was this amazing, and I didn't, I was not a diehard Fleetwood Mac fan. I just went there because I think I got cheap tickets and I happened to be around <laughs> close by. So I went there, but it blew me off. I mean, I can't tell you guys uh, how amazing that whole performance was. I I, <clears throat> I I think I was thrilled that I found an opportunity and every single tone, every single song that they sing. I mean, I, you, I knew the songs, but when you hear them in a concert like that, completely different perspective that you get just listening to them uh, sing some of those melodies. And it's very refreshing. I mean, I, I was blown away. Well, that's a great one. I expected you to go a different different uh, angle because one of your favorite bands is Def Leppard, Abhishek. But hey, Fleetwood Mac is legendary too. Yeah, it's pretty hard to top them in concert for sure, right? No yeah. matter what you're a fan of. Well, so Greg... Um, uh, Greg, what about you? So Fleetwood Mac and the in-person concert, concert experience of what Abhishek was talking about. How about you, Greg? Uh, wow. That, I mean, it's tough to say. I I love so much different music. That, I mean, this is kind of out there just because it comes to the top of my mind. But uh, I saw Zach Brown in concert once and just unbelievable. He had... Uh, just first of all, the stage setup that he had, he had these two long runways that went out like kind of like this off the stage. Here, where? There you go. Like that. And two of his guitar players, one of whom was obviously a Stevie Ray Vaughan prodigy and the other one who was a, uh, a Guns N' Roses prodigy. I forgot their guitar player's name. That's embarrassing, isn't it? But um, they had... They, right in the middle of a song, they had a guitar duel, both of them with their very, their incredibly varied styles and keeping it in tone with the same with the song that they were playing. And I don't know if everybody knows Zach Brown, but he plays a lot of kind of um, honky calypso music and and um, other types of just, ge- you know, generally entertaining music. I wouldn't even call it country, though some of it is. But man, it was just super powerful to see how talented the musicians were in what I thought was just kind of a bar band. I mean, you know, Scott, you and I got to see, well, had the opportunity to see, I got to see um, Zach Brown in the Dixie Tavern in Marietta, pretty much singing all by himself, the songs written by the bartender of at the Dixie Tavern. So okay. to see him go from there to that and the incredible, incredibly talented musicians he had was very, very impactful. Okay, we're going to have to have a, a, a supply chain nerds talk music segment coming soon with Greg and Abishai. we got some great musicians in supply chain. Yeah, not, maybe not just talk, maybe talk and play. That's right. That is right. What was that, Abishak? I was going to say, no, no, no. I, I, I lost him when he says talk and play. Well, you know, the reason <laughs> the reason why I like Def Leppard was that I tried to play guitar. I literally tried very hard and I failed miserably. Right. And then seeing some of these guys do this magic with 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 guitar. I mean, for that matter of fact, I mean, definitely is just one band, but you pick any guitar based band. And when these bands played more like us, solo, lovely, you know, ba- ballads, 
that became yeah. my favorite. So I mean, whenever these play guys can do magic with guitar, I mean, I, I was sold on it. Yeah, and it 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 can be inspiring and discouraging at exactly the same time, can it? Right, that's right. Right. So, you know what, Abhishek? I we are much better at supply chain than any Def Leppard, <laughs> right, or background guitar player, or even Lindsey Buckingham. <laughs> That's a great call out. But I was going to ask Abhishek if any uh, video footage of his guitar playing experiences may have existed. That'd be good, good uh, bribery uh, footage, maybe. Hey, a couple of quick comments here, and then we're going to get into uh, some trade observations and analysis. Uh, Justin, hey, Justin, great to see you from Florida. He says, yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. He also talks about uh, Zach has an amazing production crew and, and musicians. Catherine's yeah. calling out. Little bit of chicken fried, of course, one of uh, Zach's big songs. And she says, supply chain now, jam session. Go. Hey, let's come up to a to a venue near you. Okay, so let's let's get back to supply chain. A little fun uh, holiday episode here of the supply chain buzz, but we gotta get down to work at some point. And Abhishek, I'm really curious. Um, ton of things going on across uh globe the world of global freight, right? Too much. Our radars are being overloaded. But, you know, from where you sit and, and using this great article from the World Economic Forum as a backdrop where they are sharing six yeah. of six top things to know. What's a couple of things on your radar that should be on ours as well when it comes to global trade? Yeah. So, of course, <clears throat> it's a good read. I mean, I, I encourage anyone to read through that. I mean, there are definitely efforts from the countries to ease the word trade. But I think at the same time, the things that caught my eye, and at least for everyone, which we are living and breathing through right now, is the change, the rapid change at which the word trade dynamic has changed in the last couple of months, right? So, so it's not a rosy picture. We all know it. The word um, uh, trade organization is anticipating that the, the global trade and the flows of global trade is going to slow down next year um, you know, at, 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 at pretty fast speed. Number of factors, we all are aware of it, right? I mean, there's definitely war going on um, in Ukraine. There is high energy prices and there is inventory situations in different parts of the world for different things. That all is mm -hmm. basically hampering. And on top of all of that is inflation, right? Uh, and on all the developing economies are pacing through that. And when consumer doesn't have, um, you know, that much free money to kind of invest into things, then they become choosy and picky. I think that becomes, uh, you know, a, a, a remedy where everything kind of goes away. So I think um, that is that is definitely, and that is having percussions everywhere, right? How that global trade impacts air, how that impacts ocean freight. I mean, that's the areas where we deal with a little bit more so than how do we uh, kind of take that into consideration? What advice do we give to our customers? I mean, that's where... I think a bulk of uh, our thought process goes these days. Mm. So, uh, Greg, uh, what'd you hear, whether it's from Abhishek there or the great uh, read from World Economic Forum, or what do you think should be priorities for what we're tracking across global trade right now? Yeah, I mean, I think you really have to just focus on your goals and what you can control. You know, there are a lot of things out there that you can't control. You can't control, um, you know, what happens with geopolitical conflict like the Ukraine war. Um, you can't control what China is going to do to try to manipulate the economies or supply chains of the world. But you can identify your exposure to those things and figure out how to reduce your level of fragility there. So, you know, I think one of the, I've been having a lot of discussions over the last several uh, weeks now. And, you know, one of the things that I've discovered is it's better not to target a particular type of event or event. It's better to understand where your fragilities are and try to shore those up so that any event has lesser or uh, lesser impact on them. Mm. Well said. Um, well said. It's kind of like, uh, you know, we're in the middle of football season, right? And if you want to fool yourself, if you're, if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, if you want to fool yourself that you're a Super Bowl champion this year, that's going to have disastrous consequences. So kind of <laughs> to have a little fun play on what Greg's saying, really being honest with your fragilities across your global supply chain and focusing there on how you can address and mitigate it, you're going to, you're going to be much more successful. I'll give you, uh, uh, Abhishek, the, the last word. And, folks, we dropped a link to this read in the chat. You're one click away. And give us your take uh, on uh, what the folks over at World Economic Forum 
are thinking. But Abhishek, your, your final word here. No, I mean, the final word is just it's good for anyone like purchasing managers or people to kind of be aware of it. As Greg said, right, you can't control everything. It's good to know what the general trend and the notion is so that you're better prepared. And, uh, right. you know, you it, it's on your top of mind. You can address, you can let your senior leadership know, you know, things like that, that, that come in handy sometimes in conversations. That's right. And partner with pros, right, Greg? You know, there are people that specialize in certain tasks. We're talking to one of them, Abhishek, right? I mean... So many companies have tried to be generalist in so many categories these days, and that is one of the major fragilities that these companies have. And more and more of them are starting to engage third-party partners or even specialist divisions within their own company or technology or whatever. But again, if you recognize those fragilities, you know, do we have or could we build the expertise here? Or could we go somewhere else, even if it's only until we do build or could build the expertise here. Do we go to somebody else and who has that expertise now? I mean, Scott, we're making these decisions within our own company every day, right? With expertise right. we don't have, we're going, how fast do we need to get there? What's the risk if we don't get there fast, et cetera, et cetera. And we're making the decision, do we build it? Do we buy it or do we outsource it sort of thing, right? So I think every business goes through that in some level. Most people with much higher stakes, frankly, than we have at Supply Chain Now, and that's who we're talking to right now is all of you out there with those high stakes, right? That's right. Decision-making velocity is what comes to my mind. Um, all right, so Abhishek, we're going to get into the freight market yep. um, on a couple different ways, and, and I'm going to make a little editorial change. we got some bonus time with Abhishek Gupta. So let's mm -hmm. take these next two articles. Let's just separate them, and and with this with this next read here, um, we'll talk about freight rates, especially when it comes maybe to uh, ocean carriers and what's yeah. going on there. And then in a second, we'll get to air cargo. So here, CNBC is talking uh, talking about a lot of things in this article, but including the ocean rates, how they've changed dramatically, of course, since uh, about a year or so ago. Your thoughts here, Abhishek? Yeah, so I think um, in the last couple of years or so, definitely supply chains have become top of mind for a lot of people. Even general consumers realized why they can get stuff. And then people who are not very familiar with it got familiar with things like congestion at the port, LA Long Beach, and some of those names that were like, what are those, right? So Ocean definitely right. become one of those areas where everyone was like, what things are taking so long? The rates becoming high, there was congestion everywhere. And there was generally an assumption that things will eventually at some point in time normalize. But the rate at which they normalize in the last six months or so, I would say, is being exceptional. No one anticipated or could have anticipated uh, that the rates will so dramatically drop down. I mean, at one point in time last year, I remember, I think November, December of last year, a container from a, you know China to U.S. East West Coast was probably eighteen to twenty thousand dollars, right? Right. Nowadays, you can get that same container probably in less than two thousand dollars, right? So, so that change was inevitable. It was going to happen because those rates mm -hmm. were not sustainable. But in planning your things, no one could have anticipated that you will be that far off. And a number of factors did happen, right? I mean, we talked about global trade slowdown. The demand definitely was a part of it. If we have excess inventory, we don't know what consumer is going to buy going forward. That is going to stop some of that. And also congestion, right? I mean, we heard about it. Uh, the congestion yeah. was a big part of... Uh, the reasons why things were taking longer. I mean, things were sitting at the ports way longer. They were there were ships waiting to birth, like hundreds of them sometimes. That all remo got removed, that all vanished in the last couple of weeks, which is a good thing. I mean, not a bad thing for consumer, but a good thing. But what, did, what that did was that now the supply and demand is pretty much in balance, probably more supply than demand. And then all of a sudden the rates are plummeting. Um, it's, a, it's good for consumer, but it's a nightmare for supply chain professionals because now all of a sudden uh, things are upside down, right? For them, their plannings is completely uh, different, but they have to pivot again. They pivoted before they can pivot again. It's about having that information and working with good partners that lets you pivot. Mm. Greg, uh, I'd love to get your thoughts here on, on what Abhishek is sharing or the, freight, uh, the, the ocean shipping freight market. Yeah, well, a couple things. One, I had to write it down. Awareness. So what has changed the most in supply chain is not disruption, right? That's, this, that's the sensationalization that the press does. But what 
has changed is the awareness. Ships have gotten stuck in the Suez Canal before. You know, we've had freezes where we didn't expect freezes, Texas, right? We've had um, we've had uh, equipment get out out of balance, right, on the wrong side of the ocean or the wrong side of the country or that sort of thing. That's happened before, not at this scale on that last point, but um, but awareness is what has changed. We consumers, here I go again, since the great toilet paper shortage of 2020, now we know how supply chain works and there's nowhere to hide. The other term that I love, Abhishek, exceptional normalization. <laughs> I love the oxymoron of that and just how poignant and pointed that is. It is. This has been an exceptional normalization. We were talking not that long ago that no, we are not, you know, we let off with this. No, we are not in a freight recession. And we're probably not in a freight recession now. We were in a bubble before, and now we're back to normal. But exceptional normalization really goes to the rate of change and the, the level of change from twenty thirty thousand dollar containers to two thousand dollar containers or whatever they're going for around that now yeah and mm-hmm. in such a short time so it you know what you made me think about Abhishek, is one we have to be very fleet of foot for these changes yeah um i do think some of these disruptions will persist because as long as governments continue to intervene in this be that by their bad actions like russia or china different right war or manipulation of supply chains and labor and yep. and economies or um, by changes and in and shifts of the economy that cause consumers to change their behavior the combination of those impacts and the un- unpredictability of those impacts is very very disruptive mm. Well said. Abhishek, anything else uh, before we move on to air cargo, which I know you're a big fan of the air cargo world, right? Um, I would just uh, I would just add uh, an interesting read over the weekend. You know, Greg, something we've talked about feels like for years now, but some of the shifting, you know, obviously um, when West Coast ports were going through the hurdles that they had and we saw a lot of that traffic shift over to uh, the East Coast. And then we, then we then per your own tracking there in Hilton Head. Uh, you know, we had East Coast. I'm looking right now, as a matter of fact. Right. Well, uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, interviewed a lot of the uh, powers that be uh, in in the ports world, and they were uh, one of the things they were analyzing. And and something I read over the weekend is is how much of that freight volume change is permanent. So, uh, you know, one West Coast port leader thinks about 10 percent of the volume shift won't come back. So they're going to have to, to to work hard to to make that happen. So we'll see, though. Greg. Say that again. Thinks how much won't come back? About ten percent of uh, the freight volume that went from west co- west to east isn't coming back. How about that? Uh, that could be true. Yeah, I, I can tell you that that the conditions on the east coast right now uh, might actually have an alternative impact to that statement because right now even Charleston has a few ships backed up. And when I checked yesterday, there were 34 outside the port of Savannah. Wow. Um, and it's still a pretty good. Let's see if we can get this to focus. There we go. Still okay. A good chunk. All those green squares, those are ships waiting outside the port of Savannah. Man. Abhishek, um, we just can't catch a break, can we? Just can't catch a break. Supply chain practitioners just <laughs> they gotta- it, I mean it is it, it yeah. is uh fascinating. I, I think you know it all started in Savannah with they had a they had a lift or two uh breakdown. So I think they are still down some processing or you know, some uh well, whatever you want to call it, processing equipment um that, that keeps them behind. But and and I think that that Companies, you know, they have to make that shift of port relatively early, so they're sort of stuck there now. No, yeah. I mean that, that that's the point that I want to add is that people have to realize, uh, other than the supply chain professionals, that it's not that easy to kind of change your, your 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 supply chain. I mean, these are complex things. You just can't say, okay, tomorrow I want to f- fly into to Savannah <laughs> rather than then. Like like that doesn't happen. That that requires you to. Where the goods gonna go? Who's gonna pick them up from there? Where they're gonna be warehouse, right? How they're gonna get to the end consumer? 
all of those are, are difficult. It takes time. It will eventually move. It will eventually normalize. But I think uh, some 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 of these changes take time. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. I don't want anybody to forget the term exceptional normalization because that, I mean, seriously, that really does. Yeah. I mean, that really does tell us where we are when we have to use words like that. Right. I mean, we, we were hoping that the carriers would be a little bit more disciplined. They are, again, they are doing a lot of blank ceilings to kind of manage the environment. But again, it's just a combination of factors that probably seem too much for even them to kind of come together and then let the rates drop 90%. So no fault of anyone. Yeah. It's just the way things work sometimes. That's right. Yeah. And nobody's going to be complaining about uh, shipping, right? <laughs> shipping companies' profits for the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah I think they, they, made, they made plenty in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. And, and they paid. I mean, they lost plenty over many of the years before, before that. that. Yes. It's, I think this is a time that people ought to be observing and they ought to be understanding the dynamics of this industry, that it is very much a pendulum swing. It goes mm. from incredible lack of profitability to just obscene profitability. And they have to get, you know, they have to get while the getting is good. Yep. That's right. All right. So, folks, uh, you can find a link to that last read uh, there in the chat uh, and would welcome y'all's take on uh, on topics we're talking about. But as I segue into the air cargo world, I think I saw over the weekend or maybe late last week that I think I've got this right, Greg and Apishek, the last 747, mm -hmm. the last one rolled off the production line, that legendary aircraft. Uh, that was... Uh, I didn't know they were still building them anyway. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been built for like 53 years, something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So using that as a springboard, there's a, a great read here by our friends at Air Cargo News where it speaks to IATA, 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 IATA. Try to get these acronym pronunciations right, Abhishek and Greg. IATA is predicting a, a further drop in air cargo volume. So Abhishek, tell us more about uh, one of your favorite worlds of air cargo here. <laughs> yeah, I think um, just being in the business, right? I think um, ocean, I mean, for, I mean, UPS as a supply chain, right? I mean, we definitely have the, the options of moving from ocean to air. But when both things are down, it definitely makes the environment a little challenging, right? I won't say that's not. Um, and air uh, air is definitely benefited last couple of years based on congestion of ocean also, and also the situation of demand in the U.S. consumer perspective and everywhere post-COVID and did great things. Don't take me wrong, during COVID, I mean, air was a blessing for a lot of people to move things for, uh, you know, gloves and PPEs and then baby formulas. We shouldn't forget all of that stuff. But now we are in right. an environment where there is plenty of ocean, there is lack of demand. So, ocean, so similar to ocean, air is also coming under pressure. Uh, we're declining this year about 7-8% give and take. And then on top of that, with the uh, global trade decline, it's anticipated to move further down, right? So so good. I mean, I think it would be a good, good news story from the consumer perspective, right? Or the planning perspective, because it definitely means that the rates are going to further further uh, trickle down. So somewhere we're paying a little bit more for fuel, maybe the less reduction in the, the transportation expense definitely could benefit some some of the, uh, the, the companies and consumers eventually. But, but from uh, overall market perspective, yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely a sign that things are looking a little bit shaky in 2023. Yeah. Greg, your thoughts? Well, I mean, just the, the exceptional <laughs> numbers that we're talking about are just shocking. They are, I mean, regardless of how long you've been doing that, everything I've said about the fact that we've faced these disruptions before, it is no doubt that those are shocking volume changes and, and they are a, a shock to the system. And, um, you know, I, I was thinking, Abhishek, while you were talking about this, this time last year, we were talking about um, iRobot and Peloton using air freight to get the goods here. iRobot didn't and didn't make it for Christmas. So we're buying year old uh, Roombas this year from them. And Peloton did it to such an extent that they nearly bankrupted the company. Actually, mm -hmm. did they bankrupt the company? Nonetheless, they definitely seriously negatively impacted the the uh, fiscal, um, uh, yeah, good 
of the company, right? So bad things uh, happened. Greg. Bad things happened, right? They almost they almost broke themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, but it, I think about how delicate this is, and in this environment, again, how you have to acknowledge and try to preempt those fragilities, knowing that that you know the carry on effect of of um, what has mostly been prompted by government intervention will will continue. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's what's made this exceptional reversion to the mean so exceptional is is things that you can't control. And honestly, even the governments that are intervening can't control. So Mm. um, you you have to be aware of not what it is again, but how how big of an impact could a a disruption like this have and how do we minimize the impact of it? Mm. And how do we not over-respond to it? My goodness, right? I mean, there are great retailers, truly great retailers, Target, Costco, Walmart, the greatest of all retailers on the planet, who completely overbought on patio furniture. We've been talking about it all summer. I took advantage of that. Um, But um, how do you try to mitigate your response, not just your your, response? supply chain's fragility, but how do you mitigate your response so that you don't overreact, so that you see a little bit into the future and um, don't put your entire company at risk like Peloton did? Mm. Abhishek, I'm going to give you the final word, and then we're going to shift gears a bit and learn a lot more about your organization and some of the resources you all have. So Abhishek, your final word on the world of air air cargo. Yeah, so I think um, the, the need of emphasis on communication uh, isn't gone away with any of that, right? When we see things move up, get trickier, now coming back down, I think the good thing that we'll advise to anyone, uh, not just as a being because I'm in it, just because that's how the freight forwarding industry works. Like you have to keep your partners in good communication. You need to let them know what you see, learn from what they see, and then adjust and adapt, adapt accordingly. Uh, I think these changes are manageable. Uh, working with a good partner, we can manage some of these things. But as long as the communication is clear, right, uh, from your side to your different partners, um, we can actually manage some of these changes. We just need to be aware of what those are. Make plan. If you were making plan A and you probably made plan B and C before, keep working down that track. You need probably more plans so that you can you can revert and pivot. And I think a lot of supply chain professionals have learned quite a bit in the last couple of years to be agile, to be nimble, to be able to kind of make quick changes, quick moves and working with with similar companies and partners who can do the same. So I think that emphasis on communication and agility is still required moving forward in 2023. Yep. And the phrase you use, working with a good partner, working with a good partner, that's going to be one of our themes for today's buzz. Yeah. Um, so, Abhishek, tell us, you know, for the three people out there that may be unaware, in a nutshell, what does uh, what do you and the team at UPS Global Freight Forwarding do? Yeah, so I think a lot of people in the U.S. know UPS very, very well, but I think UPS is still a very global enterprise, right? Um, when our when our CEO says that, uh, you know, we're moving the word forward by delivering what matters, you can't just move the word forward by delivering just one part of things, right? So we have very comprehensive offering through. Uh, global freight forwarding from end to end in today's scenarios. Like, I mean, you want air, ocean, ground, transportation, brokerage, cleared, manager, supplier, uh, manager, destination, cargo. UPS can do all in all uh, part of it with good visibility and tracking. So again, uh, as I mentioned that we have been in this business for a long time. Uh, we inherited these, some of these businesses through acquisitions, but we have made them a part of our brand, our portfolio uh, to, to help our customers. And um, uh, I would encourage uh, customers, if they're not aware of UPS freight forwarding, just kind of uh, check it out, listen to us, and then understand the, the ease of doing business and the, the, the ease and uh, of integrating us within within their own ecosystem. And as I mentioned, uh, the, the emphasis of a partner is definitely important. The way supply chain is evolving, you know someone who can understand it, help you uh, lead with it, tell you in f- upfront what could be happening and then help you kind of mitigate some of those challenges, especially for a lot of small businesses who are getting stuff from globally, from overseas. 
they don't want to get shocked by too much or they're bankrupt, right? I mean, they want to have a partner who can alert them, talk to them about uh, some of these challenges and, and things. So we have we have done quite a bit of work last couple of years during COVID to be more informational, to be more uh, pro- predictive about what we see happening in the marketplace to help our customers uh, who, who, who may want to be not that aware about some of these things. So uh, mm-hmm. definitely a good brand. I mean, we've been in business since 1907, right? Uh, so it's it's been 115 years. So UPS has been around. I don't have to talk much about it. But again, um, <laughs> the brand goes with the global freight forwarding. I mean, it is the shield that still works. We still want to be a global provider of logistics and to end visibility for our customers. Yeah. All right, Greg, your quick comments on uh, what the team do over there at UPS Global Freight Forwarding. Well, one thing that that, that Abhishek said that just j- jumps out at me is is the whole uh, collaboration and sharing notion, right? I mean, and, and um, you know, we use the term transparency in supply chain a lot. I think what we really ought to use is truth. Be yeah. truthful, even when it hurts. Be honest with your trading partners, especially those that you're paying to be on your side because everything they know can save you whenever the chips are down, right? I know that there's this tendency. I mean, I've seen it for decades and decades. I'm not going to say a third decade because we're only confessing to two, right? Um, I've seen it for uh, more than two decades. I'm willing to confess that Uh, where companies don't share because they don't want to be perceived as disadvantaged or incompetent. Um, but I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of opportunity to be less than optimal because the tools have been outdated. A lot of the methodologies in supply chain are outdated. It's not entirely your fault, but it is entirely in your hands to fix it. That's right. And if you are open with the trading partners that, that you you engage with, it's an incredibly freeing experience. Because Abhishek doesn't care if you screwed it up before. He can't fire you. He can only help you from getting fired in the future <laughs> when right. something goes, goes bad in the future. So that, first of all, that notion of transparency and truth, I think, is really, really important. And the other is, can you really afford in these times that are so volatile? We've talked about so much volatility today. Can you really afford to learn to do it yourself right mm-hmm. now? Like I said, even if your plan is to bring it in house later, don't do that right now. These are some of the toughest times that we have ever been in from a supply chain stand standpoint. Get a pro, engage them, have them help you rip off their ideas a little bit. I mean, some of what it <laughs> does, I mean, it's not secret, right? It's not secret. It's just really hard. And there are a lot of things that that you have to consider. Yeah. Truthfully, I think most companies, especially a lot of the more modern companies, they are never going to build a supply chain. I think at at some point in the future, I'm going to make a bold statement, supply chains will be completely outsourced, right? Especially the very operational and technical aspects of it that we're talking about here, air freight predominantly, but but all kinds of freight, Mm -hmm. Uh, because it is so complex. And because what I've seen of brands and retailers is they are very good at retailing and they are very good at branding but they're not very good at supply chain and most of them don't want to be. So if you can find somebody who can do it better, do it. And with less friction. I think that's one thing I heard as you were describing, you know, supply chain is hard Work with folks that make it easier, right? Even incrementally. Um, All right. So, you brought some resources here, Abhishek. We want to yep. share this with folks. And that's one of the things I, I really admire uh, as much as we've rubbed elbows with members of, of you and the UPS organization throughout 2022. And all the information you all put out there, which is so valuable, whether you're working with UPS or not. So, um, folks, you can sign up here for the US uh, UPS Supply Chain News and Insights page. Uh, that uh, resources, events, you name it. And then also... If you don't want to visit that site regularly, which you may not, you can sign up for weekly emails yep. uh, from the UPS team. So all, again, making it easier and um, uh, to not only do supply chain better and more successfully, but uh, making life a little bit easier too, Abhishek, right? That is absolutely correct. I mean, we know that uh, we don't have all the time in the world to kind of dig through all the information. And information, uh, I mean, it's, it's typical, typically very valuable, right? 
So if you really high level want to know before making a quick decision about what's going in the world, you can go to that page, refresh it up and then say, hey, okay, I definitely don't want to find a partner there yet because the things are not that right, but I may want to part, find a partner there or grow there. So I think these kind of observations and quick insights from UPS help a lot of customers kind of deal mm -hmm. with uh, these changes pretty quickly. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So here's the, uh, the billion dollar question, Abhishek. How can folks connect with you and the organization beyond the resources you shared? How yes. can folks connect with you? Yeah, so there's definitely, uh, as you mentioned on the on the web page, there is a there's a connection. You can there are different ways of connecting to UPS. I also am available on LinkedIn. I mean, I definitely would love to hear from people who are having some challenges with the supply chain. There's a big, vast network of professional sales professional to help. I think that the, the option is out there. I think depending on the situation the customer is in, they can pick one of these uh, these options. There's a lot of help and resources on UPS websites too. So hopefully, we have done, if we have done a good job, you can find some answers just by going there. If you want to learn more, want to connect to us, there are options over there. If you really are not finding what you need over there, you can definitely connect <laughs> through me on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Wonderful. And talk supply chain and music, uh, both with Abhishek. Yeah. I mean, what could be better than that? <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, Abhishek, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining Greg and I here on Supply Chain Buzz. Yeah. Uh, happy holidays, happy new year, all that good stuff. We hope to see you uh, in the new year soon. Abhishek Gupta with UPS Global Freight Forwarding. Thank you, Abhishek. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Greg. Man, uh, it really enjoyed our chat there with Abhishek. Enjoyed the pre-show, too. Um, all right, so let's assume, Greg, let's play a little game here. Let's assume uh, folks are maybe they have a attention span like I do, right? Seven seconds like a goldfish, and they forget everything else from the last hour. What is one thing that especially that Abhishek shared or that we talked about here today that folks got to keep on their radar front and center? Uh, in this day and age, you absolutely positively cannot do it alone. Absolutely cannot. First of all, your your supply chain isn't a chain, it's more of an ecosystem. Right. So that creates complexity. It doesn't go like this. It goes like this. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and um, you know, I think Greg Studer said there are companies that are worried about losing proprietary information. Right. And I totally agree. I use that as both a legitimate reason as a retailer and as a red herring. Um, loss of proprietary information. Duh. Don't do business with people you don't trust. Mm. Um, which is probably not a bad, bad policy in any, in any rate. Um, but you have to share, you have to share your information. You can of course do so, you can do so, um, you know, on a need to know basis. And of course you want to do your diligence on whoever you're sharing with, but you have to share and you are sharing today, frankly, um, in some cases and, and in a lot of cases, probably with people who are less trustworthy than you might find, find out there today. So, That's right. um, but look, the, the most important thing from all of that is to recognize you can't do it alone. You are not, you are not only inside your four walls. There are things outside your four walls that impact you. So acknowledge that plan for that provision for failure in that and, and uh, enable yourself for success with that. And I think, uh, you know, there are so many of these opportunities to find really strong, legitimate partners like Abshek and his group at UPS um, to, you know, to help you accelerate, right, in a trustworthy way. I mean, I think we can all be pretty sure that if you sign a contract with UPS, they're going to adhere to it, right? Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I think that, that you just have to uh, protect yourself by op opening yourself up more. That's right. Trying to keep everything inside and do it yourself. I mean, we've watched thousands of companies disappear by doing that, right? That's some of them during the, and after the pandemic. So yeah, um, recognize that supply chain is way too complex to go it alone. Yep. Well said there. And folks, hey. Not very well said, but I think the point is good. Uh, <laughs> I think it was kind of meandered a little bit there, but. Hey, December. December is for meandering. Uh, if you don't know, December is for meandering. Hey, folks, uh, information, though. Everybody's on the hunt for good information, actionable information uh, to uh, protect that decision-making velocity. When you're making good decisions, 
fast. That's what we're all after, right? But mm-hmm. hey, check out UPS Supply Chain News and Insights, that page there. Lots of events, white papers, blogs, networking opportunities, and a lot more. Okay, folks, uh, thank you for being here for the Supply Chain Buzz as we start to wind down the year. Greg, hard to believe it's December 12th, 2022, but uh, we've got a lot of, uh, we should make Vicki really happy out there, uh, member of our Supply Chain Now family. I, I got to say this in her honor. Greg, we got a lot of good stuff coming. A lot of good stuff coming. Big, big new year coming up. There you go. Folks, stay tuned. Greg, always a pleasure to knock out these conversations with you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. I appreciate it. And th- this was particularly good. I love I completely agree. Folks, thanks for showing up in the comments. Thanks for uh, 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 bringing that to bear. Thanks to our production team for helping us make production uh, happen here every single day. But whatever you do, folks, act on this information. Deeds, not words. With that said, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to get forward, and to be the change that's needed. We'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.